Welcome, welcome, everybody. How are, how's everybody doing today? Can you guys hear me okay? We can hear you loud and clear, Nick, loud and clear. How's it going, man? It's going well, Joe. How are you? Doing good, doing good. The, the decision is essentially solidified, Nick. You know, we'll, uh, we'll dive into it a little bit, but... Uh, you know, it's, it's very clear we're getting a downshift today. Um, we've had, uh, you know, a relatively dismal round of data today. Um, ADP came in uh, missed. Uh, we got uh, 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 the lowest um, uh, manufacturing PMI or one of the lowest manufacturing PMIs in several years. Um, and uh, yeah, again, dismal round of data. Nothing necessarily new. Downshift to 25 is expected today. Um, Nick, I'll, uh, I'll hand it off to you while I try to get the, uh, the stream set up. Excellent. Well, we appreciate everybody joining. As always, we love covering the FOMC live, actually. It's one of the things that we have uh, started to look forward to um, every every monetary policy cycle here, six to eight weeks. So um, it's exciting for us because it does bring us back to a trading desk environment. We do get to zoom in a little bit. Uh, mostly, you guys know, at the Bitcoin layer, we like to think of the markets over a three to 12 month time horizon while thinking about Bitcoin over a five to 20 year time horizon. But when we get to monetary policy decisions, especially those that are at the turn of a cycle, whether it's from tightening to easing, easing to tightening, or even if it's from tightening a lot to tightening a little, which is what we're going to see today. Um, it, it is exciting to cover and it does uh, usually end up moving markets. Now, what Joe said is that the market is set for a 25 basis point hike. The background here for people, when we say expectations, we're looking at about three different money market curves here. We're looking at Fed funds futures. We're looking at OIS, which is a swap market based off of the Fed funds market itself. And we're looking at LIBOR. So we're looking at the euro dollar market. And all three of these markets are traded. And through those trades, we're able to get what the market thinks is going to happen. And the Fed is in the habit of not interrupting that sort of process. So it lets the market price in what they have signaled. Then banks schedule their weekly liabilities accordingly. Literally, they have to roll their financing every night and one week at a time. So they're looking at uh, an interest rate of four and a third percent for the first three or for the first two days of the week, and then an interest rate of a quarter basis point higher for the third, fourth, and fifth business days of the week. Just to let you guys understand that when the Fed indicates the market to a certain level, the, the Fed adheres to that because they don't want to upset day-to-day -day financing at banks. So when we say that there's no uh, possibility of a 50 basis point hike or a zero basis point move, we are using a long time series of information here with expectations going into the Fed decision. And additionally, I'll say one more thing. We have now started to introduce the idea that a Wall Street Journal reporter by the name of Nick Timmerhouse 
is someone we have to keep an eye on because twice in this tightening cycle, Tim Rouse has indicated to the market something different in the days before the Fed meeting and actually shifted the market, basically a leak from the Fed through the Wall Street Journal. So that didn't happen this time. That was really, I think, more of a rare occurrence in June. We basically had racing hot inflation and the Fed wasn't getting the market where it needed to be. Um, so they needed a Wall Street Journal leak there. But other than that, we we see that the, the Fed adheres to the market. So the drama is not around what they're going to do today. It's about what they're going to say. And so they'll hike 25 basis points here in 28 minutes when we get the decision, but then they will release a statement and we will compare that statement versus the prior statement. We will see how their language changed from statement to statement. And we will analyze that language change and take that information and then be able to give ourselves an idea of what they're going to do in coming months. We can't always take the Fed's word on what they're going to do on any really intermediate time horizon, like six to 12 months, but we can take their word in the one to three month area. And so that's really what we're, we're watching for. Um, there's going to be definitely some hints of acknowledging what's going on in the economy. It's just how much, right? We already know they're going from 50 to 25. We already know that the Fed has acknowledged that they've hiked a lot and those effects will come into play in later months. Those things we already know. It's what else they're going to tell us. How worried about the economy are they versus how worried about inflation are they? So the, econ the interest rate market is telling us right now that we're not worried about inflation. Those fears are starting to come off. But we have near-term inflation, which still has the Fed hiking today 25 basis points instead of saying, oh, we're going to pause and wait and see what's going on. So that's kind of the setup. I'm going to pass it back to Joe in a second. We have Dr. Jeff Ross that has joined us. We'll get him um, up on the stage here. And um, I'm excited to hear from him. And then I'll give you all my market setup. So I have my charts here open. We'll go, we'll go over some levels. We'll talk about um, what's been happening with prices and um, where they might be heading. So, uh, Joe, how's it going on your stream? And uh, Dr. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. It's going well, guys. If you want to see what I'm looking at before Dr. Jeff uh, hops in here, if you want to take a look at my Bloomberg terminal as I'm going through all of the data uh, as it gets released, as I'm going through charts, uh, you could take a look at my Twitter account, um, that's just at joe.consorti. Uh, and then you can click the link in my bio uh, to my vita.page where I'm doing a live stream. Uh, and you can catch all of this, everything we're talking about here in video format too. So with that being said, I'll, uh, I'll pass it over to Dr. Jeff. Yeah. Hey, Joe. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me on your show today. I'm happy to be here. Oh, we're, we're thrilled to have you, man. Um, we love your perspective. And I, Joe and I have been talking about uh, how in the last few weeks you've been tweeting a lot of charts of the high yield spread um, and in corporate bond space just being stubbornly low and an indication that risk markets are really not worried about much. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on 
markets. Um, has there, am I getting the sense right that you've kind of shifted a little bit more bullish here on risk generally in the last uh, month or so? And uh, what are your thoughts going into the Fed? Yeah, that's uh, that's a great uh, lead-in question. So um, definitely, I shifted bullish back in the second week of January. Takes my systems a little while to. I don't try to time bottoms or pick bottoms. I try to confirm bottoms instead. So that's a more more of a conservative approach. So it tends to take a little bit for for my systems to flip over from you know one one uh, degree of bearishness to another degree of bullishness. I personally, I think everything changed in October. I keep saying this. I think um, in October, if you look back at the charts across almost all of the asset classes that I look at anyway. So what what did the dollar do? What about treasury yields? What about risk assets? What about Bitcoin Uh, and things like that? Everything pivoted at that point. So the dollar peaked. Uh, treasury yields peaked and both of those started heading lower and and have still never really recovered especially uh the dollar the dollar just looks really flaccid here and it and uh people keep telling me it's going to go up again and i keep uh waiting for that to happen and it sure might but as of now it's just kind of uh kind of uh hanging out below the 200 day moving average and and still looking pretty weak could go up at any point but as of now it's still in a in a pretty bearish market i would say Risk assets uh, kind of across the board, first in uh, emerging markets, China, uh, and also in Europe, and then in the U.S. have all uh, all bottomed around that time too, Q4 of 2022, and have been ramping higher. So could this be another bull trap? I have hundreds of people on my TL telling me this is just a bull trap and I'm stupid, and maybe I am, and maybe it is. Uh, but when everything flips to uh, positive or bullish momentum, you have to at least consider that this could be the start of a lasting bullish move. Uh, Bitcoin, for its part, obviously reclaimed uh, the 200-day moving average average a couple of weeks ago and has not looked back really it's it's uh, consolidating here around 23,000 um uh for bitcoin itself i think this is a very um powerful move actually i think when when uh, when it moves higher and then just trades straight sideways for what about 10 days now um, while all of the shorter term momentum indicators reset. So I look at things like RSI and MACD as well. Um, those indicators are all have been trending lower and are resetting lower, which is a good sign that the next move uh, could be a ramp higher. So to, to me, that's an encouraging thought as well. So I keep telling people this is a bull market until proven otherwise. Do I think that things are ugly? Yes. Do I think a recessionary bear market still lies ahead of us? Absolutely. Do I think that equities are still wildly overvalued from a historical perspective? Absolutely. Do I think that we're going to have a huge correction at some point that's going to be reminiscent of kind of 2008, 2009, or the dot-com crash, or even 1929, 1930? I do. I think that's how overvalued we are. And at some point, equities are going to do a massive correction. I would just caution people, though, that when we get to this point, and, and I don't mean to hit all my talking points at once, but when we get to this point where the Fed has been hiking rates and then they pause, I call it for for lack of a better term, I just call it a Fed pause rally. We see risk assets take off for that period of time where the Fed uh, for the when the federal funds rate basically plateaus. Um, the last time this happened was back in 2006. I know you guys know this, but basically June of 2006 until October of 2007, when the Fed had paused their rate hikes, the NASDAQ stocks actually, the index went up 53%. That's pretty impressive. And then what happened is the Fed started panicking because we started seeing uh, you know, signs of stress in the credit markets. 
that's when the Fed will act. That's when they'll actually pivot and start lowering rates again. I don't think we're anywhere near there. And to your point, Nick, the first thing you brought up, I look at, and I know you do too, the, the high yield, the OAS spreads, option adjusted spread. That's the difference between what the treasury yields are yielding and what high yield junk bonds are yielding. Um, that blows out when we head into a credit event. It doesn't sit around relaxed and, and heading and head to uh, heading to lower uh, numbers, lower position um, when we're headed into a credit event. It's very relaxed looking. It's very bullish looking to me. And it's, it's not moving in the right direction for a credit event to be right on the horizon. So my final take on point is unless we get some sort of black swan event, something comes out of left field and we have this massive surprising credit event or maybe some new war or some some crazy event. I don't see anything overly concerning in the very near future. Could we pull back? Absolutely. Uh, But I think this is a bull market until proven otherwise. Well, you're speaking our language with uh, the price analysis because, you know, we flagged it at the end of October. We published at the Bitcoin layer a piece late October saying, welcome back bond bulls. We had identified that there was just some huge price action there in late October. Uh, Tens went from about four and a quarter to 390 in three trading sessions. And that was a sign that something had gone on and the fears of this uh, higher rates um, regime was maybe maybe on watch and then we confirmed it later in November um, with the with the no, with the October CPI that came out in November and we saw that massive deceleration in inflation and it really has brought all markets with it it's brought the dollar lower it's brought risk markets higher and you mentioned the bitcoin price action it is very encouraging i mean you see uh, when you see it consolidate the short term momentum indicators reset as you said Um, all of those are just nice things to see. And there's not a lot in terms of market congestion between the 20 and 30, you know, to $40,000 area. Bitcoin has a ton of congestion, call it between 30 and 45,000. Um, but there's not much congestion until there. So to see Bitcoin come back to 23 and, you know, maybe come back to 30, um, here in the next few months, that would be it would be nice to see that just in terms of consolidating and then consolidating back above longer term longer term moving averages like the 200 day or the the, the um, 200 week, which we also like to look at. Um, so that's kind of the setup that we have in markets. We I don't necessarily think that ten uh, year yields are cheap here at three and a half, um, meaning. I don't see an environment where we're going to race down to two and a half percent. You guys all know probably all too well that I'm generally quite bullish on treasuries as an asset class um, and rates to go lower and stay structurally lower over a long term time horizon. Um, But I don't see a lot of impetus to get us from three and a half to two, two and a half percent. What I don't see is the market forces to get tens above four percent and to hang out there or to stay there. Um, And in that dynamic, it's just a diagnosis of a slow, generally slow economy and slowing inflation expectations. That can turn on a dime if we start to see lower, uh, you know, much more punitive unemployment data, 
um, even other contractionary data in housing and elsewhere. Global trade would be another. Those are the sort of things that can then indicate that um, we're in for a broader slowdown and could affect risk markets. But I'm fully with Jeff here with looking at price, looking at VIX, looking at high yield spreads. There is no fear. Um, there's just no fear in the market right now. And that is the regime that we're in. We're 17 minutes um, until we get uh, a decision here. I did want to talk about a couple levels, but Jeff, I'll let you respond. You know, unfortunately, I don't have much to respond to, Nick, because I agree with everything you said. I think we're on the same page here. You brought up the VIX, too. That's another thing I look at. As long as the VIX, in my mind, is below 20, uh, that's usually a cutoff I use for. That's kind of a buy and hold environment. It means fear is low. Uh, It means, in general, risk assets do well. When you get above 20, that's when you start getting choppy sideways action, and it's almost better to be a trader uh, in that environment. And then if you get above like 30 uh, with the VIX, that's when it's just kind of panic mode. You sell you go short. Um, and so we're just in a different regime right now. And, and, and granted, it, as you say, this could all change on a dime, right? Maybe Powell says something today that just rocks the markets. Maybe they surprise the markets and, and raise 50 bips because he says inflation is still terrible. I'm with you guys, though, and I completely agree. I think the bond markets no longer care about runaway inflation. They were very concerned about it in 2022. They went up with the Fed, right? The federal funds rate uh, went higher. So did the bond markets. The two-year Treasury yield coming back down now to what's it right now? Four point almost two one percent. It just tells me that you know what they're kind of done with the Fed. They're done with the federal funds rate. They're going to raise another twenty five bips today. Maybe another twenty five bips at the next meeting. I don't know, but the bond markets are already over inflation, and they're kind of in again in this sort of sideways pattern until they get concerned for uh, the recessionary bear market to settle in. Yeah, and so here's the big um, now. Here's the big swing point because we know what they're going to do today. It's what's going to happen in March. And I think it is very, very interesting that the market only has us at about 46 basis points by the end of March. That means 46 minus 25 is 19. That means the expected hike on in March is 19. Now, you guys all know that the minimum they hike is 25. It means that there's only about an 80% expectation of a hike. That that 19 basis points can fade to five today with a very dovish statement and Fed. And that would mean the Fed could, in 14 minutes here, bury the hiking cycle in the ground. Um, Just by just with a couple words, it could happen. Now, the market is still right there at 19 basis points. So that could also go the other way and go right to 25, where the Fed is saying, you know, there's no way we're stopping. Next month, we see another 25. They could explicitly say, we're going to go 25 again. And then you would see maybe a little bit of a risk reaction there, where um, risk markets sell off. They understand that the Fed is not going to back down. Um, There's definitely a lot of, I would say, some of the emotion of the bullishness in risk is due to the Fed pause coming. That's our general thesis. So I, we embrace that sort of narrative here that risk has done well because the Fed is about to pause because inflation fears have gone away. That's the narrative that we're embracing here. So that's our continues to be our baseline expectation. But everything in markets is marginal. So if the Fed says guaranteed 25 in March also, 
that is net bearish for risk. And it's also an indication that the 25s could keep going when maybe the bullishness is like it went from 75 to 50 to 25 to zero. And that's the path that is still sort of my bias, even though I know the market has it for 19 basis points. I think zero is a likely outcome. I see a lot of data between also now and the next Fed meeting, right? We're going to get two CPIs um, and two NFPs between the Feb one and the March. So they might not even have to say much. They might just say, hey, we're going to go, we're, we're going to pretty data dependent now. And then that makes the eco releases all that more important for are we going to see additional 25 basis point hikes so this is all in the weeds but for bitcoiners what's what's the main takeaway bitcoin has seen um behavior that cycles with the fed not that the fed is due 100 i mean that the bitcoin price action is going to be attributed 100 percent to the fed of course that's ridiculous but we have to think about why Bitcoin is here. Bitcoin is here as an alternative money. What is the consensus money right now in the world? It's the dollar. Who issues that? The Fed. So Bitcoin and the Fed are really on the same. They're in the same wavelength when we're talking about macroeconomic analysis here. And so with a Fed going back to, you know what, we are we aren't going to we aren't going to be that restrictive. It gives people the hint again that, hey, remember when you guys did 15 years of QE infinity, essentially, and increased the size of the balance sheet by a thousand percent? That's why we bought Bitcoin in the first place, because of that dynamic. So any hint of that coming back to the market is at the margin bullish for Bitcoin. And the reversal of that dynamic in 2022 which is inflation is here we're going to be restrictive for a really long time people are all all of a sudden thinking about fed funds at five to six percent for five years to try to knock off inflation that would be bullish for the dollar generally across the world and it would decrease the use case for bitcoin in some circles Again, everything at the margin. So the zoomed out view here is that as the Fed goes from 75 to 50 to 25 to zero to eventually cuts because we have, um, you know, a slowing housing market and rising unemployment, maybe by the end of 2023 or into 2024. That brings about this idea that we need an alternate form of money as well to store. And it brings Bitcoin back into the conversation. Yeah, Joe. Um, passing it to you man what are you what are you looking at here in the markets beautiful yeah so obviously i've got right in front of me i've got uh the top news on bloomberg right, as well as the economic calendar oh it seems like nick can't hear me that's okay yeah um, hey, just real quick nick joe's actually talking i don't think you can hear him so yeah nick if you want, he could try rejoining probably you may need to uh, uh log yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna exit and i'll see you guys in a second. okay all right, fantastic. Technical difficulties, they happen, no biggie. But uh, essentially, I've got basically everything in front of me. For, so once the uh, the Fed data does get released, um, I'll be able to give that to you guys live. But what I'm looking at now, um, Dr. Jeff, you were right on the money when you said that the bond market no longer cares about uh, really elevated inflation. Um, 
the, we know the Fed doesn't look at leading indicators. They don't they don't care. But we know that uh, traders do and we know that portfolio managers do. And uh, if we want to look at one of the uh, best leading indicators for uh, forward inflation expectations and forward inflation, that's prices paid um, uh, across uh, ISM surveys, across uh, PMI surveys, particularly in the ISM manufacturing survey. And what we know um, is that prices paid, that, that component leads CPI by several months, and that's fallen off a cliff um, to the nth degree. It's very close to zero now, um, you know, which, uh, uh, or rather not close to zero, um, it's close to its lower bound. Um, and uh, if that's any indication, we know that uh, this disinflation we're experience, experiencing now um, is likely to continue and continue into the future with no upside surprise, right? Sort of as we get disinflationary print after disinflationary print and leading indicators that are showing us, chances are the inflation is not going to rear its ugly head. That fear of, uh, you know, entrenched inflation is going to continue exiting from the market um, and uh, and that's essentially what we are uh, what we are seeing now, um, you know, with uh, with uh, you know bonds really across the board catching a bid, um, and uh, you know sort of the yield curve normalizing there, um, and uh, and rates sort of coming back down to earth. Um, so that's what I'm looking at there. I just had that chart pulled up, uh, and then I'll strike a couple levels before we get started here. But um, one thing I did want to mention was that uh, you know with with the Fed pause, um, whether it comes, uh, you know, at uh, the March meeting or the following meeting, um, uh, in uh, 2006, uh, the Nasdaq did rally 52, uh, 53 percent. Uh, in 2019, the Nasdaq rallied 30 percent. Um, and again, the Fed didn't actually begin cutting rates. Um, the Fed was able to to, to hold there and and stay paused um, uh, until there was a credit event. Right? Um, you you saw VIX spike. Uh, you saw option-adjusted spreads, credit spreads move through the roof, um, and right now you're you're simply not seeing that. Uh, credit stress is very muted. Um, you know, VIX is uh, VIX is very muted, and so really all across the board, there's no fear right now. Um, none of it is priced in, and so uh, really, um, you know, as the Fed pause approaches, it's just going to be a a very good environment for risk assets to inhabit, um, you know, especially with uh, with uh, with credit stress extremely muted. Um, the Fed may be able to actually uh, <laughs> go through with its higher for longer mandate um, until those conditions within corporate borrowing begin deteriorating, which as of right now, they are still very robust. Looking at uh, interest rate probabilities, um, as Nick said, it looks like 19 for the next meeting, which again, they don't hike in increments like that. They hike in 25 basis point increments. Uh, and so as of right now, the market is pricing in a very small probability that this is the final hike uh, that we are about to receive right now. Um, and uh, of course, we could get uh, you know a pause and then several 25 basis point hikes afterward. Um, but again, as of right now, the market is uh, the story here. The main story here, the main takeaway is that the market is just pricing in increasingly lower uh, incremental hikes from the Fed. Um, and a pause is really creeping its way into the forefront as inflation continues decelerating, particularly in leading components. Um, and that's uh, that's essentially what I have in front of me. I also have all of the intraday uh, intraday charts in front of me, um, particularly treasuries. Uh, to see their immediate reaction to the Fed's decision, as well as risk assets, um, Bitcoin, NASDAQ, et cetera, and foreign exchange. Um, and that is essentially what I've got in front of me and what I'll be able to deliver to you guys when the decision comes here in roughly uh, four minutes. Great. And Joe, block. you brought up a, a great point, and I want to um, get back to that leading versus lagging dynamic. And I actually want to compare it to the way that Dr. Jeff say, says he manages portfolios. 
Dr. Jeff is not trying to time the bottom. He's trying to wait for the market to bottom and let all of his empirical indicators tell him that the bottom is in so that he doesn't make a mistake. The mistake is way costlier than trying to pick benefiting from the picking the bottom. So the thing about Dr. Jeff's portfolio management techniques, when you're thinking about the Fed, we, the market, are looking at live eco. So we're looking at PMI, ISM. We're looking at the prices paid components, the subcomponents, the new order subcomponents. We're seeing all of them in contraction. We know that all of that stuff is going to end up in the data that the Fed looks at in two months, three months, four months, six months. So the Fed will be late, but the market senses it. So the market is looking at the leading data and the Fed because they can't just whip around Fed funds, right? They can't just go, oh, high cut, high cut. No, they have to give the market a lot of signal and a lot of time to adjust and even companies to adjust in the way that they're going to plan, spend, hire, all of these things. So the Fed doesn't like to shift on a dime. So they have to look at lagging. And we have to understand that that's in their framework. We like to poke fun at them because they're not looking at the data that's in front of us, but it's the market's job to do that. And the Fed actually does pay attention to the market. And so we indicate that when we see twos cross below Fed funds, it's an indication that the Fed is, their runway is up, right? So where, where do we see Fed, uh, twos right now? Slightly below Fed funds. That should be an indication to the Fed. I anticipate some of that, some of that, um, cloud over the Fed, that the market is no longer ahead of the Fed in terms of hikes, and they don't really believe the higher for longer narrative anymore, that cloud is over the FOMC voters today when they're making their final decision. So will we see that in the statement? We're about uh, less than two minutes away. Um, I will pass it to Joe for the red headlines, but that's the setup here. We have twos at four slightly below four and a quarter, 10 slightly below three and a half, Bitcoin at about 23,000 even, and stocks more or less flattish on the day. Not really a lot going on in the stock market. So Joe, why don't you uh, bring us in with anything else and then hit us with the uh, headlines and the 25 basis point hike. Indeed. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Dr. Jeff. Wonderful analysis heading into this actual decision here. Um, the, the Bloomberg terminal um, actually gets this data roughly 15 seconds after the actual uh, stroke of the hour. And I'll be reading that to you as soon as it, uh, it comes in. Um, but uh, again, you know, uh, what we'll be watching for particularly is uh, a 25 basis point hike is basically all but solidified. One of the things that we'll be looking for uh, particularly is the rhetoric that comes from the statement, uh, which releases... Uh, on the hour with the rate decision, uh, because that is uh, what the algorithmic traders will be using. Uh, so we'll be looking at that closely. And then we'll also be closely looking at the rhetoric Jerome Powell chooses to use in his press conference. Over the last three press conferences, he's chosen to keep it basically the same, apart from a couple linguistic tweaks here and there. Uh, and so we'll be watching uh, for any any changes whatsoever there. And uh, on my screen, it looks like it's 11 seconds to the decision. Curious that two-year yields are already starting to move up here um, in, in the seconds before the decision. Are you... 
And uh, right on the money. So it is uh, a 25 basis point rate increase. Uh, another downshift. We obviously saw a downshift from 75 to 50 at the last meeting and uh, now from 50 to 25. And uh, over on my other screen, here are the headlines as they're flashing across uh, my screen. Uh, so Fed slows rate hike signals further increases are coming. Let's go ahead and read the statement here as that opens up. Yeah, and it looks like uh, we have two-year yields popping, but only by about five basis points right now. Ten-year uh, yields popping by about five basis points. Um, but it does look like the Fed said that, um, you know, 25 again in March is, is what they are expecting. So um, we'll see the market digest how they, how they are taking in this news. Um, but I, I do think it is going to come down to these two now CPIs and unemployment data prints that we're going to have between now and March. They, they don't really have a lot to say in terms of additional dovishness from. You're right. So what they've said in the statement is that uh, the Fed says inflation has eased for now. Uh, it's, uh, it is eased somewhat, but remains elevated. They repeat that ongoing rate increases will be appropriate. Nothing we haven't heard before. Um, and they raise, uh, they of course have raised the benchmark range from uh, uh, two, uh, uh, four, four, uh, 4.5% rather to uh, 4.75% on the upper bound. So new, new things that they've included in this statement are that inflation has eased somewhat. That's the first time they've included it explicitly in the statement. Um, Jerome Powell has addressed it before, um, but uh, the statement remains largely the same um, as, wa as was anticipated. Um, you know, again, uh, as we talked about earlier, the Fed doesn't like to surprise markets. If the market is anticipating a downshift, if the market is anticipating um, a certain style of rhetoric, the Fed likes to come in right on the money with that. Um, and uh, thus far, um, it's paid off for them at the very least swimmingly, because we know that VIX isn't getting... Uh, you know, it isn't moving materially higher. It's still below 20. Um, we know that credit markets are still functioning fine. The Fed's success in achieving what it has achieved so far uh, has been at least in part due to its uh, tremendous forward guidance. And I say tremendous, not because I'm praising the Fed as an institution, but I'm praising them uh, uh, from the standpoint of uh, forecasting readily in advance what they're going to do so they don't surprise markets and they can actually effectively achieve their mandate. And they've done it very well. So yeah. Far. And so I want to cover two things now. Um, we talked about how we compare statements. That's how we get the sense of what the Fed is really, really thinking. What language did they change? So I want to highlight two things. Number one, what Joe said, the first mention of easing inflation okay it has eased somewhat they have acknowledged that publicly but not in a statement okay so again the whole the market has been right right the fear of runaway inflation is is leaving okay so that's what the fed is indicating but this is also another important thing here the Fed removes references to the pandemic and supply chain backups from the statement. That is important also here, okay? That it really is attributing some of the inflation to that and it's removing that, meaning that the attribution to inflation, at least part of it, is gone. And we're in a new regime. So it is a pretty dovish 
I think it's a pretty dovish statement here because the Fed is slowing its rate hikes. It's introducing that inflation has eased, even though it says it's going to keep going. But it, it has said that it was going to keep going. So that's not necessarily a hawkish shift here. The shift is dovish. Um, Two-year yields are at 422. We're at 420 before the statement. Um, so basically, unch uh, there. It looks like stocks really aren't um, trading much either off of their level. Bitcoin is also stuck at 23, pretty much 23 even. And 10-year yields are back down below 3.5%, basically unchanged. So I think um, a lot of this was baked in. It's pretty much what we've covered uh, going into the statement. And I would love to hear, Dr. Jeff, uh, what do you think here uh, looking at your terminal? Yeah, I agree with you guys. I mean, this is pretty much a nothing burger, right? It's 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 everything that was baked in. I don't see any surprises in any of it. I try to always take the other side of this because so I'm I'm leaning dovish, right? We started this by saying this is a bull market until proven otherwise in risk assets. So what could the bears, uh, what's the bearish case for this? Well, I guess they could say that if the Fed is still hedging a little bit saying for now, uh, maybe that maybe Powell will glom onto that during his speech and he'll say, well, you know what? We don't want to let the, the, um, the, our foot off the gas too early because just like in the seventies, you know, he doesn't want to pull on Arthur Burns. If we let it off too early, uh, and don't go higher for longer, inflation could come roaring back. So I could see him taking that theme and I could see risk assets possibly responding poorly to that. But I agree with you guys. I think in general, this is basically a, um, a dovish take. Um, I think that the, they're reading the market sign saying that we no longer care that much about inflation. It's We don't think it's running away at, at to any degree at this point. And then I think at some point the shift will come to how soon will this recession come? And I think a lot of questions from the audience today are going to be directed at Powell. Like everybody's talking about a recession. Lots of layoffs are starting to happen. When do you guys think maybe you've gone too far and a recession is imminent? And I think he's going to have to deflect those questions. So I'll be interested to see how he responds to those. Yeah, it's, and that's really what the economy is trying to get the Fed to answer here. You have to answer for the economy and you can't just keep head in sand um, about a slowing economy. The data is there. The leading data is very loud. The lagging data is actually starting to respond as well. Um, it's just not not to the degree. So the Fed is going to they're going to be put on the spot and they're going to have to um, they're going to have to figure out how to signal what's coming in the slowdown. Um, I want to just cover really quickly here. Uh, we are about 24 minutes from the press conference beginning. Um, but I want to cover really quickly here how important I believe the market reactions are to these things and what it's telling us. Okay. We've been hearing about this, you know, here's the two narratives on the stock market. I wrote a piece about this last week. On the bullish side, hikes are going to end and the risk is going to be more supportive. And these guys, Joe and Jeff, have both given us the stats. Markets rally in the pause. Okay. The other side of it is that markets spill in recessions also. So are we going into recession? Is the market going to spill or are we going into pause and the market's going to pump? I'm talking about stocks here. And that is an interesting dynamic. But we have to respond to what the price is doing. 
And with the Fed coming in and saying, ah, we're not really that worried anymore and stocks, you know, trading flat on it, it's a it's a sign that we don't have the fear. It's not we're not saying I'm not saying here that we're in for another huge bull market. I think Dr. Jeff's um, market indicators are telling him that we could be at the beginning of it, but we'll only know you know, down the line, if this was the start of something major or not, right? What we don't see is this imminent downside without some sort of additional fear in the market. So that source of fear being inflation and 6% Fed funds, that fear is gone. And for markets to spill, you need a new fear, which is a really, really sharp contraction in asset prices due to something that's going on black swan related or in the economy itself um, or maybe even in the financial plumbing so that would be that would be my take here twos are trading right back down to where they were before the meeting tens as well so we're now completely flat there and um i see stocks as well not really um not really moving much uh starting to creep higher but nothing to uh, write home about. So Joe, what are you looking at on the terminal? Yeah, of course. So exactly as you said, I'm taking a look at the intraday pricing of U.S. Treasuries, and uh, they, they're right back down to where they were uh, pre-meeting. Um, the, the nothing burger is a very, uh, it's a very accurate statement because at the very beginning of this cycle, when uh, you know the majority of people uh, living in the United States haven't even ha- hadn't even heard the word uh, uh, rate hike in, in several years and several decades, it was new uh, to them. They, they they didn't understand it. Then uh, these uh, these meetings were much more tradable events, and for several months that was the case. Um, you know, you you had uh, wild price action around the events, uh, even if um, the the, uh, the the decision came in um, uh, totally consensus. Um, but uh, but as of right now, um, you know, Treasury price action is essentially right back down to where it was. And guess, and um, guess, equities. And guess where Fed funds is, Joe. It's still at 19 for for March. So the, they didn't they weren't able to move it. We're still in that, you know, pretty sure, but data dependent. Um, and I think that that's also a strong signal here. Um, so that's I, I think that's something that we have to we have to watch here that 19 basis points and how that's going to change. Um, when Powell starts coming on the, onto the tape, precisely, I think that uh, that Powell's rhetoric is going to uh, be potentially much more market moving than the the statement was. When you're only changing a total of, I'm looking at it right now, uh, like eight clauses throughout your entire statement, it's not the most tradable thing in the universe. And so um, Powell's language is de- uh, definitely has the potential to be more market moving than this statement. But one interesting thing within the statement is that uh, obviously we highlighted that they had, this is the first time they talked about inflation easing, right? Um, but uh, but also they changed the word uh, in determining the pace of future increases in the target range. They changed that to in determining the extent of future increases in the target range. So now from the December meeting to now, because inflation has slowed so materially, presumably, there's a positive market reaction. Um, They've shifted from talking about how, you know, uh, how often they will hike and, and the size that they will hike. And now they've uh, shifted into extent, which uh, that word implies terminal. They're beginning to they're beginning to think about terminal, um, which is which is certainly interesting. I myself 
would have probably guessed that this change would occur. Um, but also during the press conference, one thing that I'm anticipating um, is, uh, well, obviously we now with this statement, we have a Fed that is looking at and towards the terminal rate, which is not something that we've, we've seen before. Obviously, the extent the terminal has been mentioned is in dot plot projections. But now we have a, an FOMC statement talking about it, right? So, so risk is sure to love that. But one thing I'll be looking for, particularly in Powell's press conference is how he addresses the loosening of uh, financial conditions over the last several weeks. We talk about spreads, um, spreads uh, narrowing to their uh, 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 lows, uh, uh, you know, uh, intra-year lows lower than uh, 2022 in some instances. Um, VIX is extremely muted. Equities are rallying. And so I'm curious to see uh, the Fed is winning the inflation fight. Do they not mention easing financial conditions whatsoever, or do they put one last dagger in the back of inflation by addressing the loosening of financial conditions? Mention that, yeah, they're unwarranted for now. We're going to hold higher for longer. Yeah, yeah, and and there's um, no way, Joe. Yeah. There's just no way, and that, and I know that the market is anticipating that he could make those sort of indications, but they they can't double down on inflation because yields have come in and spreads have come in. And, but you're thinking correctly in the reflexive way that of course, easing financial conditions should mean that more inflation is potentially likely and the fed will keep going. But remember, remember the cloud here. Okay. The cloud is a dark one and it's rates trading through fed funds. That is the permanence for the Fed. And they can't, they, they actually physically cannot get out from underneath that rain cloud. So that cloud stays over them. And if they try to mention easing financial conditions, it'll have to be with a qualifier. And that's just, that's what I see um, going into Powell. Uh, I, I'm, I'm also watching to see what he says around that, Joe. It's a really good point. We have to see how he responds because that's the, that's the case for more hikes that, hey, it's, you know, labor market's still pretty decent and um, financial conditions have eased. So do you think that there'll be a ramp, uh, another ramp here? But they do have to um, they do have to just acknowledge or you'll you'll hear it in his voice, actually. That he knows twos are inverted. He also knows that the three month annualized rate of inflation is back basically back to his target at two percent. So um, there's a lot, there's a lot that he has to now be hedged in, in, and that's a big change from his forceful language. That was in August. The shift clear in the markets was in October, and here on February first, um, the Fed is going to have to respond. So I'd love to get a few questions up here. So guys, please raise your hand, and, and we can invite you on stage. Um, let's keep it macro and Bitcoin related, um, and. Uh, we would love to we would love to hear from you absolutely and uh, and yeah guys request to come up on stage uh, you know you could uh, you could ask me what i'm eating for lunch today um and uh, and uh, also other other very fun questions like that one that you know with the fed right now really with inflation coming down and forward-looking inflation expectations coming down so materially, uh, the Fed not only has their cake, but they're actively eating it too. Um, and uh, you know, it's um, as of right now, the, the Fed has uh, has gone about this cycle well. Um, you know, at, at every single point, we've been uh, scrutinizing. Uh, we've been uh, watching the Fed extremely closely and scrutinizing their behavior, but um, they've uh, 
uh, to this point, um, they've played it all right, and they have uh, uh, they've uh, they've guided markets in the direction that they'd like. Um, they've guided forward inflation expectations in the direction that they'd like, uh, and now it's it's the point in the cycle where. Um, you know, the, the rates are in control. Everyone's basically in consensus that inflation is dropping. And, and now the Fed's going along with it. We said a couple of weeks ago that, um, you know, obviously we said, welcome back bond bulls. And, and we also mentioned a few times in our weekly newsletter uh, that, uh, you know, this is the point in the cycle where uh, the rates market um, takes the reins away from the Fed, right? You know, uh, it, it essentially gave the Fed leeway to hike because it was consensus that inflation was elevated. And now it's taking the reins back in because it's consensus that inflation is slowing. And the Fed is following along with the rates market um, uh, through addressing the fact that inflation is slowing, whereas previously it was the other way around. Um, the, the, the rates market was essentially um, you know, listening to the Fed because the Fed was can, only because the, the, uh, the Fed was agreeing with the consensus that inflation was elevated. Um, and, and now it's the other way around. Rates are fully in control. They're in the driver's seat. Uh, and the, the Fed is, uh, is agreeing with them. So it's, a, it's an exciting point in the cycle. And uh, yeah, no, it's a, uh, honest to goodness, all of this Fed watching, um, it really, I was reading, uh, I was reading Capital Wars yesterday. Um, and they uh, equated Fed watching to uh, like one of the dark arts uh, from, uh, from, uh, from Harry Potter. And um, I haven't read or watched uh, any of those books or movies in ages, uh, but but I, I will absolutely agree with that sentiment. Um, when it comes to the fact that basically, at, you know, everything that occurs in markets is is just a function of liquidity and what's happening with the price of money. Um, you know, really, you want to you want to learn how to decipher the arbiter of the price of money uh, if you are to be like maximally successful in these markets. So that's basically all it is, right? Fed watching. Um, Joe, you know, it's, Joe uh, I'm yeah, changing yeah. your nickname yeah. uh, to uh, Joe Redline Consorti here for catching that um, change of the word pace to extent of future increases. Um, that was a good spot there, but it is it is a dark art, and it's also why we do this. Honestly, guys, um, I do I I used to be on a trading desk, and I couldn't you know do a Twitter Spaces while covering the FOMC and then trading as a fiduciary. Uh, that's, that's, so that's why I'm here with you guys now on fed day, instead of, um, you know, uh, trading on behalf of clients, because I still love to cover this stuff. And this is why I'm here. So, um, we, I, I want to hear from Dr. Jeff, Jeff, why are you so bearish on long-term valuations? Let me play devil devil's advocate with you here that if the fed is, in a cyclical bailout wave for the next 20 years and continues to be to come to the rescue, why should that support lower valuations today uh, or lower valuations in the future versus today versus just uh, like where earnings are? Yeah, well, that's a great question, Nick. And, and, and you have a good point there, right? Valuations can remain wildly overvalued they can remain very high for really long periods of time and we've seen that you know i i like to look at i don't know if you guys know john hussman he does just some fantastic charting kind of long-term uh views of stocks and relative to treasury yields and things like that um you know his charts what they show is you see these periods of time and um, i actually popped it up right here so like 1929 uh and then also 1999 2000 also a little bit in 2007 2008 and then basically from 2017, 2016, all the way through to where we are today. 
stocks are basically historically very overvalued relative to uh, like the risk premium of treasury bonds. Right. And so what does that mean? Basically, people have to decide is, is if I can just get a quote unquote risk free rate from treasuries. Why wouldn't I do that? Why would I risk my money in stocks? They have to be, you know, less risky and and they have to be able to get me more of a gain uh, than what I can get for a risk-free rate from treasury yields. And so based on those kind of points of views, stocks remain significantly overvalued today. Now, to your point, Nick, the Fed, though, if they turn on the afterburners, right, and they do QE next and QE next just blows QE one, two, three, four out of the water, uh, and it's just amazing. Uh, um, and liquidity is just um, everywhere. It's it, it's a wash in our world. That has to go somewhere. And in where it usually goes is in risk assets, right? It goes into stocks and bonds and real estate and private equity. And I think the next new asset class is Bitcoin that it's finally going to go uh, into from an institutional level. Um, that will continue to inflate valuations. And when you have liquidity expanding throughout the world, it's really not a, you know, I used to be a value investor, uh, just so you guys know my roots. Um, But what I learned from being a fund manager is that valuations don't matter nearly as much as the the environment you're in. Are we in an, an environment where valuations are expanding or are valuations contracting? And in a liquidity expanding mode, then valuations expand. And when liquidity is contracting throughout the world, then valuations contract. That's much more important than the underlying valuations of a company, I would contend. Um, and so so to your point, getting that's a very long-winded answer to say, if the Fed really gets behind this and central banks around the world start pumping liquidity uh, into the system and the commercial banks get behind it and lending starts flowing freely uh, and money is awash everywhere, then yes, I actually think valuations could go uh, reach their previous high valuations. I think it reached a price-to-sales ratio in the general stock market of 3.1 or 2 per, uh, 3.1 or 3.2, which is historically the highest it's ever been. It reached that in Q4 of 2021, uh, we could get back there. We could even go higher again before everything crumbles down again. So um, yeah, I just watch price action. If prices continue to stay bullish and we don't end this bu- end this recessionary bear market that everybody's waiting for, it, it, it may not come. Like it could come in a month, but it could also come a year from now or two years from now. We just don't know the timing of it. So for now, if price action continues to be bullish, especially in Bitcoin, you don't want to just be sitting on the sidelines uh, while it ramps higher. So that's uh, hopefully that answered your question, but it was pretty. Yeah, it does. And, um, you know, just in full transparency, Jeff, I am in the beginning stages of trying to build out a larger thesis on secular higher equity valuations due to the current Fed regime. That is just to give you a sense of like where my question is coming from. I th- I think that I believe that we are in a secular uh, we we've we've undergone a secular shift to higher equity valuations versus like a century look back. And that is due to maybe many dynamics that it's not just the Fed, but other dynamics around ownership and globalization and things like that. So I know that's it's it's not a topic to go a whole lot more into on an FOMC live coverage day. But um, it's some of the stuff I'm thinking about and reading papers about. And um, when I when I so when when people talk about stretched valuations and how they'll come back to gravity, I have sympathy, but I'm also actively challenging that thesis 
um, from first principles, which is something that, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear your take. Maybe we can, something we can think about later or, or uh, even swap books or papers on what you're reading on that front. But um, I just wanted to share that with you in terms of what I'm thinking about. Yeah, I love it. And I think, you know, obviously the caution, right, is is this was a, there was a similar thesis going around in the late 1990s, right, that we had reached a new paradigm uh, because of the Internet and, and all of that. And so so you have to take everything into consideration. But I agree, like we've never had central bank support of markets to any degree like we have had over the last couple of decades, especially since the, the global financial crisis. So could this be a new paradigm? Maybe maybe valuations never revert to the mean or maybe probably to your point, the new mean is much higher, right? And so maybe valuations just will permanently be much higher going forward. So you have to consider that it, it's it this time could be different. Um, but, you know, to be cautious, like that, that's why I have things like trailing stops. I have my theses that it could be this. We could be headed into a more permanent kind of bullish state and higher valuations. Uh, but if I'm wrong in my thesis, my trailing stops uh, save my investors money. So, yeah, and a couple of ways. And, and mine is honestly, um, it's it's probably the inverse of structurally lower yields also. So, you know, we've talked about this nonstop in 2022 that higher yields are they just on a mathematical basis mean lower present value calculations and um, you know a, a higher discount factor for future cash flows so if you're in a low rate regime that would mean that you're in a structurally you know higher present value calculation regime so it's 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 both it's actually two sides of the same coin and um you know, it, th this time is different is is definitely the most dangerous phrase out there. So you want to be specific and exact when fleshing out these these uh, theses. And um, I'm going to be continuing to do that. Uh, we're five minutes away from Jerome Powell hitting the stage. Uh, you know, we will look to what he says and it's going to be interesting. But we can see that this this is yet another not nothing burger as um Really, I look at two-year yields down about 60 basis points from their peak at the end of October. Uh, so let's see what, what he says, but um, I don't think that we're going to have a lot of fireworks. And we're going to have to have some, uh, definitely some uh, dancing around words from Powell when it comes to easing financial conditions, slowing economy, slowing inflation. Um, and we'll also see how much he leans on this uh leans on this narrative of, um, sorry, of higher financial conditions um, factoring in. I want to just point out one tweet here, uh, a bond trader that I like to follow, at full carry, Ed Bradford says, uh, the change in pace to extent seems to suggest that we are in striking distance of peak rates. So there's a great call out by Joe here. Um, it's not about the pace anymore. Let's go. I'm learning. When do I get to work on a trade? When do I get to trade paper? That's, when do I get to trade paper? That's on. right. Well, you know, the Bitcoin layer hedge fund, uh, maybe it's a, a future branch of the company. Um, I kid, actually, because we really are focused on research and analysis. We like not having a book. It's how we're able to cover this stuff um, the way that we do. If we had a book, we'd be covering it differently and talking our book. And so... Um, which is okay. Money managers are on this platform talking their book and trying to not give investment, investment advice, 
but we specifically don't have a book and that's what keeps us independent researchers. We also are okay to point out that there are wild bearish conditions for Bitcoin as we did for most of 2022. The company is still called the Bitcoin layer folks. Okay. So, but it, we still have to call it like we see it. Now we're starting to get, we've been bullish on Bitcoin really since the washout of the three AC thing, of course, not seeing FTX beforehand. Um, but that's because we've seen inflation coming and we see Bitcoin as a, as a macro asset. So we're here to cover. As we prepare for Jerome Powell's remarks as well here, guys, I, uh, I inserted the bingo card, the Jerome Powell bingo card up at the top there. Uh, I made it this morning so you could, uh, you could print that out. Uh, it's fun for the whole family up there. That is hot. Awesome. Joe, I saw your tweet this morning on it. So um, we're going to, we're going to have uh, Powell here in about two minutes. Indeed, extremely exciting stuff. My uh, my bet is that he's wearing a purple tie today. I looked back at uh, in order to make that bingo card. I looked back at the last couple FOMC meetings, um, and he's been wearing a purple or blue tie. So uh, my money's on purple, but we'll certainly see. Uh, but yeah, no, it's um, uh, nothing. Burger is the word of the day, uh, and uh, we'll see if Powell. We'll see if Powell introduces um, any uh, any sauce whatsoever and the, to. Uh, and the nothing burger is important because it supports the thesis that the fear of 70s style inflation is over. That is the biggest takeaway here. It's a nothing burger because we it, the market didn't move and the market is already pricing it in. But what is the market looking at? It's looking at CPI going from nine to eight to seven to six and and three month annualized CPI going from seven to five to three. Now it's below 3%. If I remember correctly, I think we're at 2.9% three month annualized inflation. So it's back pretty much to their mandate. So if the inflation boogeyman is gone, where does the market look? It looks to its optimistic future with, you know, generous liquidity conditions that aren't overarching, right? And um, is it looking to more? Not yet, right? And that more would be a deep recession that causes asset prices to really spill and the Fed to come in and cut. That's why I don't see tens going from three and a half to two and a half. I'm not that bullish on treasuries yet. I, I'm going to have to see more. I do actually think that three and a half is about fair value. I do think three and a half to four percent is fair value for twos also. As we price in, here's Powell. As, sorry. Oh, I just said that uh, Powell's okay. on. I can I can turn yeah, the video. Off. Yeah, if you want, if you want to plug him in, that's cool. To our two percent goal. Over the past year, we've taken forceful actions to tighten the stance of monetary policy. We've covered a lot of ground, and the full effects of our rapid tightening so far are yet to be felt. Even so, we have more work to do. Price stability is the responsibility of the Federal Reserve and serves as the bedrock of our economy. Without price stability, the economy does not work for anyone. In particular, without price stability, we will not achieve a sustained period of labor market conditions that benefit all. Today, the FOMC raised our policy interest rate by 25 basis points. We continue to anticipate that ongoing increases will be appropriate in order to attain a stance of monetary policy that is sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2% over time. 
In addition, we are continuing the process of significantly reducing the size of our balance sheet. Restoring price stability will likely require maintaining a restrictive stance for some time. I will have more to say about today's monetary policy actions after briefly reviewing economic developments. The U.S. economy slowed significantly last year, with real GDP rising at a below-trend pace of 1%. Recent indicators point to modest growth of spending and production this quarter. Consumer spending appears to be expanding at a subdued pace, in part reflecting tighter financial conditions over the past year. Activity in the housing sector continues to weaken, largely reflecting higher mortgage rates. Higher interest rates and slower output growth also appear to be weighing on business fixed investment. Sounding dovish. Despite the slowdown in growth, the labor market remains extremely tight with the unemployment rate at 50. Aha, that's bingo. That's bi- I just got bingo. He said extremely tight. Wage growth elevator. Nailed it. Job gains have been robust with employment rising by an average of 247,000 jobs per month over the last three months. Although the pace of job gains has slowed over the course of the past year and nominal wage growth has shown some signs of easing, the labor market continues to be out of balance. Labor demand substantially exceeds the supply of available workers, and the labor force participation rate has changed little from a year ago. Inflation remains well above our longer-run goal of 2%. Over the 12 months ending in December, Total PCE prices rose 5.0%. Excluding the volatile food and energy categories, core PCE prices rose 4.4%. The inflation data received over the past three months show a welcome reduction in the monthly pace of increases. And while recent developments are encouraging, we will need substantially more evidence to be confident that inflation is on a sustained downward path. Despite elevated inflation, longer-term inflation expectations appear to remain well-anchored, as reflected in a broad range of surveys of households, businesses, and forecasters, as well as measures from financial markets. But that's not grounds for complacency. Although inflation has moderated recently, it remains too high. The longer the current bout of high inflation continues, the greater the chance that expectations of higher inflation will become entrenched. The Fed's monetary policy actions are guided by our mandate to promote maximum employment and stable prices for the American people. My colleagues and I are acutely aware that high inflation imposes significant hardship as it erodes purchasing power, especially for those least able to meet the higher costs of essentials like food, housing, and transportation. We are highly attentive to the risks that inflation poses to both sides of our mandate, and we are strongly committed to a returning inflation to our 2% objective. At today's meeting, the committee raised the target range for the federal funds rate by 25 basis points, bringing the target range to four and a half to four and three quarters percent. And we are continuing the process of significantly reducing the size of our balance sheet. With today's action, we have raised interest rates by four and a half percentage points over the past year. We continue to anticipate that ongoing increases in the target range for the federal funds rate will be appropriate in order to attain a stance of monetary policy that is sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2% over time. We are seeing the effects of our policy actions on demand in the most interest sensitive sectors of the economy, particularly housing. 
It will take time, however, for the full effects of monetary restraint to be realized, especially on inflation. In light of the cumulative tightening of monetary policy and the lags with which monetary policy affects economic activity and inflation, the committee decided to raise interest rates by 25 basis points today, continuing the step down from last year's rapid pace of increases. Did you have cumulative tightening to a slow on the pace will better allow the committee? I to did. I did. I was, oh my God! I'm, I'm absolutely crushing it right now. I'll post the results that we required to attain a sufficiently restrictive stance. We will continue to make our decisions meeting by meeting, taking into, a, taking into account the totality of incoming data and their implications for the outlook for economic activity and inflation. There's the data dependent. We have been taking forceful steps to moderate demand so that it comes into better alignment with supply. Our overarching focus is using our tools to bring inflation back down to our 2% goal and to keep longer-term inflation expectations well anchored. Reducing inflation is likely to require a period of below-trend growth and some softening of labor market conditions. Restoring price stability is essential to set the stage for achieving maximum employment and stable prices over the longer run. The historical record cautions strongly against prematurely loosening policy. We will stay the course until the job is done. To conclude, we understand that our actions affect communities, families, and businesses across the country. Everything we do is in service to our public mission. We at the Fed will do everything we can to achieve our maximum employment and price stability goals. Thank you, and I look forward to your questions. All right, so I'll, I'll post them in just a moment, but I got every single square on the bingo card that you see pinned up there, except for he didn't talk about uh, that the uh, war, uh, loosening of financial conditions was unwarranted. He did not use the phrase, the risks are balanced, and he did not use the word sticky. Um, but uh, all in all, um, uh, a press conference that started uh, relatively devilishly um, and uh, ended with a lot of uh, uh, finger wagging, as we've come to expect from uh, Jerome Powell. Listen, it's fully hedged language. That's what we have come to. That's what we what, that's what we thought he was going to say, that um, inflation is still there, but everything is slowing. So he said it both. And it's almost like it's almost like he didn't need to say anything because we we already know that you know, the lagging data is still showing inflation and the leading data is showing slowing. So, um, you know, we'll see if he, he, he does get any other questions about what's going on with, uh, you know, financial conditions or, you know, how many hikes they have left um, in the questions. But markets, look, two-year yields have not really moved. They've, they inched up at the statement, then maybe in one of his statements there, but they're trading about two to three basis points higher, tens about flat, Bitcoin about 23,000. So not a lot, whole lot going and the market really expected this. Um, if there are any questions, you guys, please come up. But I'm going to pass it to Dr. Jeff for some last thoughts here um, before we call it a day. Thank you guys so much for joining. Make sure to subscribe to the Bitcoin layer, the bitcoinlayer.com slash subscribe. You get to our Substack. We put out a free market uh, markets update every week. There, go sign up. Go sign up for our YouTube channel, the Bitcoin Layer. Um, we're putting out three videos a week. So, um, we really, really appreciate your guys, uh, all the audience here across all the platforms. Keep your feedback coming. 
Um, it gives us energy to continue covering this stuff for you. Uh, we have a great team. We have a team of four now at the Bitcoin layer. It's myself, Joe Consorti on research and markets. And then we have Matthew and Jordan working on video and design. Um, it, it's just a tremendous team. And we're, we're really thankful for, for your readership and, and audience. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I'll just jump in. Uh, well, first of all, it's been fun, Nick and Joe, to watch you guys build the Bitcoin layer out. I mean, it's it, you guys are doing a great job with it. I think you're adding a tremendous service to the space, uh, helping people understand macro and investing and Bitcoin and how it's all intertwined. I think it's it's great what you guys are doing. You're very educational. You're, you're able to take uh, difficult concepts and make them simple for people. Uh, and, and then also how to turn that into maybe actionable, uh, ideas as well. Investment ideas, uh, saving in Bitcoin kind of ideas. So, so kudos to you guys. I got uh, mad respect for what you're doing. Um, to your point, Nick, not a, not a ton to comment on, right? I, I, you know, to give Powell credit, he has learned a lot since he started his tenure as the fed chair. He's really good at managing expectations. I mean, just the fact that the market is taking this uh, announcement and this rate hike as a nothing burger, I think is kudos to him for setting expectations correctly. So we're not seeing any, you know, huge moves either way. I, as, as we talked about earlier, I watch kind of high yield, you know, junk bonds, what they do, how do they react? Because they're, they're the ones that I follow most closely for, are we headed into a credit event or not? And they're just kind of kicking it, right? They're still looking a little bit bullish. They're still above their 200-day moving average. We're not seeing the uh, option-adjusted spreads blow out in any way. And so I'll start it uh, or I'll end it with how I started by saying this is still a bull market until proven otherwise. It could end tomorrow, um, but it also may not end until next year. We don't know when the recession's coming. Everybody knows it's coming. We just don't know when it's coming. So I would caution people, if you're just sitting on the sidelines, you're, you may get some FOMO if, if all you're doing is waiting for the recession to come uh, because uh, it, it may be further out in the future than you anticipate. So anyways, keep your eyes open. Uh, keep paying attention to what Nick and Joe are doing here at the Bitcoin layer. They'll, uh, they'll keep you apprised with what's important, I believe. And uh, thanks for having me up. It was really fun to be here today. Thanks, Jeff. You uh, really um, added to the conversation a lot today. We, we value your approach to investment management, which is one that is led with price analysis. And instead of trying to lead with your own um, narratives, you let price dictate. And we, we identify with that a lot. We appreciate your input. Joe, thank you so much for hosting. And to the audience, thank you guys so much for joining. Catch us at the next FOMC meeting um, mid-March there to cover it again live. Um, but until then, make sure to find us everywhere at thebitcoinlayer.com. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Dr. Jeff. Thanks, Nick. 